SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back. It is Fantasy Sports Today, SportsGrid and SportsGrid.com. Craig Mish, Joe Pizzapia, we got you here for the next hour. Thank you so much for tuning in. Of course, Thursday, Thanksgiving Day football, a tradition like no other that will continue this year, hopefully with three games. Waiting on the status of the Baltimore Ravens as several members of their organization have tested positive for COVID-19 seems to be the underlying story of all of the sports seasons, NFL, NBA, and even Major League Baseball. But the bottom line is it looks like the NFL is trying to push these Thursday games, Ravens and Steelers, Thursday night. We will preview that show from a betting perspective tomorrow on the program. But, Joe, we'll start off with our headlines today, and let's dive right into it, some of the things that we're talking about here on this show. White Sox are hosting the Yankees at the Field of Dreams in 2021. Hopefully that will happen. We want all baseball, all football, basketball, hockey, all sports to be back to normal in 2021, no doubt. College football ranking comes out tonight. We'll finally find out who's number one, two, three, and four. And then more interesting, who's five and six, because, of course, those teams will feel like they are snubbed. And that's just the, the nature of college football at this point. But at least we have four teams in the playoff and not two. College basketball season tips off tomorrow. And some good tournaments going on. Of course, some places are not having college basketball. Here in Florida, we are. we got a Fort Myers tournament about two hours from me getting set to start, I believe, over the next few days. And then, yes, the story that keeps on giving. Taysom Hill loses his eligibility over on the ESPN site. So those of you who were just so smart to pick him up and start him at tight end this week, you can't do it anymore. He's going to start at quarterback. If you go back and watch On Demand, we talked about this at length. I did about a 15-minute rant. Joe and I went back and forth on it, so we don't necessarily have to do that again, unless you want to, Joe. And of course, then we can do well, it again. I for mean, our here, here's the truth. The truth is, this doesn't really affect as many leagues from a quarterback standpoint now as you might think. I mean, you know, Superflex is still more of a niche, right? So, and and I think sure. that for Superflex leagues, this is a huge impact moment. But Taysom Hill, probably even so, I mean, in this next week's matchup against Denver, I don't know if he really grades out as a as a QB one. You could start to make that argument for a couple of guys. Is it a better matchup than say Kirk Cousins have or, or Ryan Tannehill has? I, I don't know. I think there's a lot of questions there with that. So I think that because he's not qualifying a tight end, that's that's where the thing is. If he qualified a tight end, tight end, he's playing quarterback. That is the game changer. Then you're basically you've turned your team oh, into course. a super flex team in a sure. in a regular league. And that and that's been the big difference maker. And I don't think ESPN or Yahoo or anybody could allow that. And then FanDuel couldn't allow it either. Because then every week, I mean, the only interesting thing with FanDuel, and they could have done this, which would have been fascinating, is he was a min salary tight end last week at 4,500. Right. If they had I kept him at tight end and elevated him to, let's say, 8,500 because of how much. Well, now, now it becomes a real question. That would have been Do you want to? Now, now some strategy goes in. You didn't have to move him to quarterback if you didn't want yeah. to. You could have kept him at tight end and just raised the salary because you had the option there. Now, FanDuel chose to take the other route and go ahead and start him at quarterback, which I, I understand. I think makes more logical sense, but it would have been a fascinating conversation. Do you want to pay all the way to the top of the board for the tight end paying, playing quarterback at a quarterback price of like 8300 or something like that? I also had one question for you here uh, in this sure. Field of Dreams game. Uh, with Tony LaRusso's age, does he qualify to actually walk out from the corn? 
Oh, you know, very good joke there. Excellent. Yeah. See what I did there? Yeah. Because Jackson old. and Tony were walking out from the corn. Could happen. If you build well, it, could happen. If you, if, if you call Uber, old it joke. will come. They're old joke here on the show. <laughs> I, I, hope now, we didn't mean to offend any of you older folks out there watching here on your apps on, you know, on, on uh, Oh, come on. I made a dad joke. It's more of a dad joke. It was a good one. Anything. Listen, you said that you played against Taysom Hill and lost this week, correct? I did. Mm-hmm. Okay, I did. Are you making the playoffs in that league? Uh, right now, I'm still in the hunt. Yes, it's just a flex league okay. for the belt. If you, end up not the the playoff, if you end up not making the playoffs because this guy had Taysom Hill at tight end, you just you're cool. You just no problem. That's you know you missed it by one uh, game. I mean, that was the game that cost you. No, it, good? it would it I'm would, it would grunt. No, it's a good question. It would grind my gears. It doesn't grind my gears so much because it's a super flex league and he played him at quarterback where he was eligible on fan tracks where the league is being played out. So if he had been playing him at tight end and I was out of the playoffs by a game because I lost to him, yeah, it would grind my gears a little bit, but I have a lot of respect for the guy. He's one of our colleagues here in the industry. So good on him that he was able to get him and had enough budget to do it and make no, it all I'm work. Not, and not the, owner. the owner is very smart. I'm just saying like, wouldn't it bother you that that was a little bit. Reason if why he played it, it would, it would bother me not because they did it. It bothered me because I wasn't able to. And I should have been you weren't uh, able ahead to get of on the guy. I blame myself. See, I take more responsibility oh, okay. on my failures and other people's uh, good judgment or even not luck. about, people. you know, I, I don't, I'm Branch not Ricky said luck is the I'm residue the of design. Luck is the residue of design. If you're working hard enough every week and you see Taysom Hill out there and you want to speculate a couple weeks ahead of time and add him to your roster, then you know what? You did a good job there. It worked out for you. But you know what? You were ahead of the curve. Like I said, 10% ownership. A lot of people didn't even have him. Even in this week right now, he's still under 50. Why? Because most leagues are single quarterback leagues and it wasn't as intriguing of a, of a pickup for most people. Now, after this week, we'll see what that number comes to. But I'm sure it's going to be higher than 60. I can tell you that much. Yeah, I, I would think so. All right, well, coming up next, speaking of quarterbacks, Joe Burrow, arguably the hottest quarterback on the sports card market over the past six months. He and Kyler Murray's uh, sports cards have just been jumping off the page. But what happens when you make an investment into a player and, look, a financial investment, whether it's a bet or, in this case, whether it's buying their sports cards, getting them graded, and then all of a sudden they get hurt and now you're stuck on this pile of cards of a guy that, you know, according to ESPN, Burroughs' injury is significant to the point where he may not even be ready for it next year. So that's the kind of question that we're going to ask uh, up to Josh Cohen of PC Sports Cards. So make sure you stay tuned. We'll talk about that. I'll also show you my card of the week as well, so don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today here on this Tuesday. As always, our Tuesday is time to talk sports cards. Talk about some of the best investments out there. Talk about the best products out there also talk about the most graded cards that are out there because everybody wants to get their hands on that graded psa 10 whatever grading card company you use but in general the psa 10 is the one that everybody wants that gem mint to talk about that 
Uh, they submit over a hundred thousand cards over the course of of time, and and five figures each week. I can't even keep up with these numbers. Josh Cohen joins us. We're going to recap a little bit of what happened last week. The cards that they are submitting, the ones that they're going to be submitting in the future. Of course, I'll go through my card as well of the week. Uh, Josh, great to see you again. What's going on? Good seeing you too, Craig. Uh, fun weekend, I guess. Uh, yesterday was interesting to say the least uh, with the football games. So, pretty good week. Yeah. All right. So let, let's kind of dive in because a few weeks ago you were on the show and we talked about the hottest football card that everyone is submitting that you're getting the most of. And in fact, I believe you had a card that was sold for five figures or something like that. And that is Joe Burrow, the first overall pick by the Cincinnati Bengals. And honestly, Josh, he has had a really nice year. He's played very well in most games, a couple of tough games for him against good defenses. And I'm sure that there are a lot of people wondering right now, oh, my gosh, did I make a bad investment by buying all of these Joe Burrow cards? Because buying the cards of Kyler Murray has worked out so nicely. He's been amazing. You think going back to back and getting in on Burrow is the right move? A couple of questions here. First of all, what do people do? What do people do who invested all this money and bought all these Joe Burrow cards? And secondly, what should they do moving forward? On, on Joe Burrow's cards? Is it is it a good investment to buy low? Is it a bad investment? What, what would you recommend? So number one, uh, there's obviously a couple of different ways you could take it. A lot of people that try to churn quickly are going to get their money out of the Burrow as fast as possible, even if they take a loss or not as much of a gain. Probably going to see a short-term drop in his value, 20 to 30% is a good guess. Um, and you're going to see people that have the capital start picking up all those investment pieces that people are getting rid of, you know, luckily with football cards, not that many products have come out yet. So it's going to really reset quickly. Only big products that's been out so far as mosaic. So those are, as we talked about submitted in quantity, very, right. very, very large quantity. So that's going to drop quickly because people, there's just so many of them that whoever wants to get rid of, it's going to get rid of it. And that's going to be the new market. Um, when it comes to submitting borough, I would still do it. I mean, I know they said ACL, MCL, other structural damage, a lot of things going on there. Uh, knees are knees. It's really tough for a quarterback to come back from. But still, if you're submitting them, you're looking at three to eight months to get them back. You're getting right into the heat of football football picking up again in value. Sure. So I would still, if you're, if you're a Borough believer and you trust what you saw for the first nine or ten games of the season, spend the money, send them in and get them graded. The big thing is your investment horizon doesn't really change because you were going to wait that much time to get him back anyway. Yeah, and, and probably even if Burrow would have continued having a good season and not been hurt, it wasn't really much of a sell time anyway until the team is good next year. Now, on the flip side, Justin Herbert is now the clear-cut favorite over on our friends at the FanDuel Sportsbook to win the Rookie of the Year. And I, and I would guess, Josh, that the buy time on his cards have kind of come and gone because they're going through the roof now. They're going up. There's definitely going up. I also see a lot. We see a lot of prism coming in, college prism coming in, and mosaic coming in. Um, when we look at our auction side of our business, we're seeing a lot of Herbert go out. So people are selling them to to get money together to buy the next products, the better products like prism coming out in a couple of weeks. I still think you could be buying mosaic, the the rare cards like the low numbered or the autographs. Sure. Um, but if you're just buying base cards or very common parallels. I would advise against doing that right now. You know what's interesting is, and I, before we get to the NBA, uh, I, I don't really buy a lot of the newer cards, and I don't really buy a lot of Panini. I'm more of like an older tops person. But I did kind of 
take a preemptive strike by buying some of Jalen Hurts on the Philadelphia Eagles. I would have thought that this week when I logged on to eBay and looked to buy those, that they would have gone way up. But instead, they're either the same or down. And I suppose I made the mistake, Josh, of buying those cards immediately when the product came out. But I was honestly worried if I didn't send them in and get them graded, I would have lost my opportunity to potentially cash in on that if he became the starting quarterback. Initially, do are the cards just so much, those singles, when the sets come out and then they go down eventually? Is that just kind of the way it works? Usually, usually when they come out, they're higher than they should be. Then the next couple of weeks, they'll drop because everybody that opened them will auction them or sell them or send them in for grading. Uh, if you join group breaks, that's another way people acquire cards. Right. Um, you're going to start getting them in in the second and third week. So, again, that horizon goes a little bit longer. Um, there's always a buying opportunity. I think Hertz is a great buy going into next year. Don't know what the Eagles are going to do with Wentz long term. So, yeah. Her, if Hertz has a chance at that job, it's a good buy from now until mid midsummer next year. Yeah, for sure. If he's named the starter, no doubt. All right. Now let's move over to the NBA draft. We saw during the last six months sports card rise. I, I think just basically based all around the NBA, it felt like all NBA cards are going up. It still feels like NBA cards are coming up. But the truth is, is that there are people that are not really educated as far as what to invest in an NBA draft cards. Now, recently a product came out. Josh, in the NBA, where all the players are in their college uniforms. So everyone's scrambling to get Edwards or get Wiseman or get Ball uh, and then send them to you to get them graded. Is that the right call? Um, I actually disagree with that. They are doing it. We're getting some of them in. Unless it's a super rare card, like a lo very low number parallel or autograph, I would say if you're buying those, sell them. Even looking at Zion last year when he went up, his rookie card when it came out was like 30 or 40 bucks, not graded in Prism. And now it's couple hundred dollars, right? It went up six, seven, eight fold. If you look at his prism draft picks card, which is what we're talking about right now, mm -hmm. it's flat. So you're looking at the best case scenario is seven, 700 times your investment versus flat. So most likely those are going to decrease over time. And even if you get the grade that you want in the card, six, eight months from now, when you get it back, you're going to be getting the same amount of money that you would now. So use that money and get into the, the products that are going to start coming out that actually have that upward momentum. Yeah. You, you got like $5,000. I could buy a box with one of those that you're talking about with that. What, what, what's it going to be for a, a new box of, of prism uh, basketball thousands, right? Prison basketball this year won't be as much as prison football. Prison football is going to be about 1200 bucks, 1400 wow. bucks. Uh, prison basketball. We don't have the strongest rookie class, so you're still looking at second and third year guys and LeBrons and stuff like that. Gotcha. So it'll be there, but it's not going to be as high as football this year. All right. I'm always fascinated. Top card back from grading that you sold or or that the value in. I can't believe that, that players that are playing right now can be worth thousands of dollars, but they are. What do you got this week? Uh, this week we have a prison mosaic Justin Herbert autograph PSA 10. We actually had one of these ends on Sunday night. For $2,500, $2,600 on our eBay auctions. It's funny you say uh, modern cards because if you, even if you look back, we also had a 1998 Bowman, Peyton Manning, Bowman rookie PSA 9, and that's 800 bucks. So do you want to buy an $800 auto of, of a one of the best ever? Like <laughs> literally one of the best ever? Or one, and, and that's one of his better cards, right? Because there weren't as many brands or products then. Right. So you're getting that reverse. A, a sticker auto, right? So it's a sticker on the card that's autographed. So he didn't even actually sign the card itself. Gotcha. And it's just going to depreciate, right? So it's weird. It's a great card. I would say sell it. And I would say give me three Bowman PSA 9 Peyton Manning autos over one Justin Herbert PSA 10 sticker auto every day of the week. 
Yeah, and and listen, that's that that's the one thing that's always fascinated, and I know that the cards are serial numbered, and that's what makes them so much, and they're rare, and all of that, and they look great, the, especially the Panini cards look beautiful. But for me, you invest in a legend and someone destined for the Hall of Fame, you know exactly what you're getting and, and what you're getting out of it. Speaking of which, let me show my one card of the week that I got back. And here it is, the Reggie Jackson PSA 7 rookie card. I've sent in so many of these through the years, fours, fives, sixes, never got a seven. Finally got one. Now I can get rid of the ones that are that are lower. for Now we know that, that Josh, you're a huge Reggie Jackson fan. I, I know that you've made that clear. You're like, <laughs> you and him are buddies, good friends, right? You love Reggie? Uh, you know, Reggie and I had a little tiff. He doesn't even know about it, but I had a tiff. He signed a ASU batting helmet for me and then immediately asked me where I was going to sell it when he didn't know that I was running the uh, New York chapter of the ASU Alumni Association at the time and just thought it would be a cool thing to have in my collection. All right. Well, you know, Reggie's all about the dough, all about the money, <laughs> all about the money, Josh. All right. Uh, appreciate, Josh, you coming on the show. Always some really good information and uh, looking forward to uh, talking to your partner, Zach, later on in the week. Have a great Thanksgiving. We'll catch up with you again next week here on the show. Thanks, Craig. Have a good day. Have a good week. Enjoy football. All right. Josh Cohen with us, as always, here on Tuesday, PCSportsCards.com. Check them out. Submit your cards through them. Get them graded. Get back some good grades. Maybe you sell them. Maybe you keep them, depending on who you are. Hopefully, you were enlightened here on the segment on what to do with Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert. We'll take a quick break. We'll be back with plenty more here on Fantasy Sports Today, so don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish, Joe Pizzapia. We got you here until 2 o'clock Eastern. We'll do Fantasy Reality coming up in just a little bit. And, of course, we'll be back on the show tomorrow. Lots of great interviews. Dr. David Chow, the latest on injuries. We'll take an early look at the Westgate Super Contest picks and look at the picks against the spread for Thursday as well. So make sure you tune in to tomorrow's show. And uh, that will be our last regular show of the week. And we're going to do football programming on Thursday, football programming on Friday, and then Joe and I will be back here together again on Monday. So, Joe, this is the last chance we'll have a chance to kind of Dive into the turkey edition of, of fantasy sports turkey. So we thought that we would do it here. Who are your fantasy baseball turkeys for two? Before, I want to do football too, but first let's do baseball since that's more in the rearview mirror. Fantasy sports turkeys for fantasy baseball. <laughs> well, look, in terms of turkeys, I mean, in terms of what you paid for this turkey, this was a very expensive turkey, the first one. I mean, you paid top-notch i mean farm to table turkey we're talking about like the stuffing and all the uh, all the trimmings was christian yelich and maybe it wasn't his fault maybe it was an injury but we were told oh i'm fine i'm fine everything's fine we're fine now how are you it sounded a lot like han solo in a new hope trying to tell the other people on the lower level that despite all the laser blasts everything was perfectly fine how are how are you doing down there well christian yelich was basically Han Solo for us, unfortunately, and uh, things did not work out very well for Christian Yelich. And we'll start with him because it took me a while to buy into Christian Yelich. You know, that first great season he had with Milwaukee, Craig, he had 22 home runs in the months combined of August and September. In September, we tend to, at least then, take with a grain of salt because it was September call-ups and things like that happened. And I really did right. not want to overrate Christian Yelich going into the 2019 season. 
Well, then the 2019 season was fantastic. And I had to basically bow down and say, yes, Christian Yelich is elite. And then 2020 happened. Then maybe it was a health combination of things. Maybe, you know, the improper offseason, all of the stuff combined was just a bad mojo for him. But results are results. And the results tell you right now, this is a very tricky situation for Yelich. And I can see him even falling out of the first round altogether because just the conversation for the number one overall pick is cluttered. There's Tatis and Trout and Betts and Soto and a bunch of guys there have gone past Christian Yelich. And you could even talk about Cody Bellinger who's having offseason surgery this year. Some other guys in that same kind of conversation. So I'll put it to you. Going forward into next season, is Christian Yelich a turkey that you are going to try to purchase again and hope for a better taste? See what I did? Yeah, I, I think that he is going to be in better shape next year. Not physical shape, just in better shape in terms of where he'll go in fantasy. Uh, he, he really didn't have a spring training at all. He was coming off a major injury. I believe it was a broken kneecap. I was actually at the game where uh, where he got hurt in, in Miami. So. I think he was just out of sorts. There wasn't a single reporter that covered the Brewers that thought that he looked right, whether it was the end of that first spring training or even into summer camp 2.0 or whatever they called. I would expect a pretty big bounce back. I don't know if he's ever getting back to 50 home runs and 340 and all that stuff, but I could still see him being valuable in the late first round. I would wait a little bit. And if there was the, the one thing that I would be concerned with is stolen bases. And that's the one part of the game that made yep. him a first round pick is getting 20 steals. But if I had a projection for him, it would be over 300. He's always been a 300 hitter, always been a 35% on base guy. Uh, I would say close to 30 home runs, 100 runs driven in and 100 runs scored. But stolen bases, I don't know that I could go more than 10. Still makes him a first-round pick, just not the top five. Oh, well, those numbers certainly would. Um, I think he is most intriguing this year in auction drafts because you can get him at a discount. He could be a league winner this year. But in snake drafts, it becomes a little difficult, Like in the, especially in the first round. First round, you just don't want to get it wrong. And I think whenever you have a player that might not be 100% healthy or coming off a season where they weren't, there's always something you have to really consider. So if you get him at a discount in the end of the first round, you can double it up right away with somebody that you really believe in right. okay. But I think in auction, that's really where you want to look at Yelich this year as having some real value in terms of return on investment. The next turkey in baseball here has got to be Gary Sanchez. Now, maybe this is just me because I have him in a 2014 Dynasty League in the last few years. Everybody keeps trying to take him away from me because he was a minor league player for me at one point. So he's on a very low salary. And 24 teams, you can just imagine how bad catcher is. And every year I say, no, no, you can't have him. No, no, he hits for enough power. I'll, I'll make it work. Well, I can't make it work anymore. I'm done. I'm, I'm throwing in the towel on Gary Sanchez. This is the turkey that I'm throwing out that tasted very bad, and I do not want it anymore. And I think the Yankees are getting close to wanting to throw this turkey out, too. It seems like the Yankees are willing to say, you know what, let's get some defensive catcher. Let's kind of build that catcher position maybe in a different way going forward. Do you think Gary Sanchez has maybe had his last dinner with the New York Yankees? Well, that's a great question. And And again, I don't know how you just punt on a bat like that. I think you have to try and find a way to make that work. Higashioka was playing at the end of the season and catching Cole. So I think that they give him one more run. I think they give him one more run, and, and I don't know that they have a long shelf life with this. The other thing that they could do hypothetically is they could make him a, a DH, I guess. I mean, that, that's that's part of the equation, too. He's still a great hitter. I know last year was abysmal, but in general, you would think he's a great hitter. He had a great year two years ago. So not done with him just yet, Joe. 
All right. So Craig likes the leftover version of Gary Sanchez, just for clarity there. Uh, let's go with another, a guy that I, I don't know how Craig feels about this one. I know he lamented quite a bit during the regular season about Javier Baez. And uh, Javier Baez was a guy that, let's be honest, he had some great minor league numbers, but struck out a ton, came up to the major leagues and continued to show that high strikeout rate. And then the switch flipped. And we kind of got lulled into a false sense of security, perhaps, that Javier Baez was an elite-level talent. He had a couple elite-level seasons, back-to-back ones, in fact. Last year, not so much. But then again, 60 games, it's kind of a, a small sample size when you consider that's you know not even half of a full regular season. So I sure. guess off of 60 games, you're willing to throw in the towel, despite the two previous seasons being pretty good for Javier Baez. And also, the Cubs, a team in transition. Yeah, it, it's not throwing in the towel, but it's identifying maybe, as you said, we've seen the best. And and again, I don't know what the Cubs team is going to look like. I think they could go through some sort of rebuild. I think that's possible. Baez looked completely lost against the Marlins in the postseason. I don't even think he made contact. He struck out so much. I don't know how that all of a sudden changes next year. I don't think it does. I don't think I'm going to end up with him on any of my fantasy teams and I think we've probably seen the best of Baez. Now, this has happened with players before, players who are very good. They slump, they make adjustments, but it was scary bad for him in the postseason to the mm-hmm. point where he looked lost against every pitcher the Marlins threw out there. And as you can see from the, the series after that, the Braves didn't seem to have a huge problem with Miami. So I'm going to be out on, on Baez, Joe. I'm not going to take him this year. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, switch gears a little bit, do a little fantasy football turkeys. And, you know, people might say this first one really isn't fair, but you know what? I feel like this is the kind of turkey that looks really good and, you know, kind of like in uh, Christmas vacation where the turkey looks delicious and then you slice it open and all you see is the ribs and just a big puff of smoke. That kind of feels what Michael Thomas is this year. And Michael Thomas, I'm sure we'll get back on track here. But let's be honest, 10 weeks of the season, Michael Thomas was a non-factor between injuries and kind of getting back up to speed after injuries and then another injury on top of this previous injury. So for considering he was number one wide receiver on the board, I think you have to call it what it is. This looked like a really delicious turkey, but it ended up being dry and hollow at the end of the day. But I, I would say that there's still some ways to make that back. Maybe on FanDuel uh, towards the last part of the season here, maybe you get some good performances out of him. Last week was certainly a step in the right direction, but for the price you paid, this was not the turkey that you thought you ordered. No, and I think that, you know, honestly, the entire first round is littered with that for either injury or ineffectiveness. I think Thomas is, was a little bit more self-inflicted because he got suspended for a game. But I would expect a big bounce back from him next year. I'm I'm not entirely worried about him. Will he ever match the season that he had two years ago? I mean, come on. Nobody in the history of football had ever done that. So to expect that, I think, was unrealistic. But I see him still as a first-round pick in fantasy next year after those first few running backs are off the board. Maybe not a top-five pick, but no doubt he's a turkey undeniable for this year. <laughs> well, you know what's fascinating is starting to look ahead for the 2021 draft. You know, the end of that first round, it's not impossible to think that you could come away with some combination of Michael Thomas and Keenan Allen or Michael Thomas and Tyreek Hill or something like that. And it's fascinating to start a team like that, maybe take a big time quarterback and then start to take your running backs after. And it's not zero RB. I'm so sick of hearing that. It's not that. That's called I don't have a plan and I don't know how to figure things out. It's a matter of starting to value things a little bit differently in the wide receiver position right now. Tell you, that's where the value is. There was no value with Le'Veon Bell. Boy, oh boy. Le'Veon Bell yet again here with the Jets. Things were going to go back to, hey, you know, it's a new season, a fresh start here. I'm going to show up ready to go. And then there were the, quote, hamstring issues. 
And then Adam Gay said his hamstring was fine and all kinds of things were going on. And Le'Veon Bell then eventually found his way onto the Chiefs. And then it was the big Le'Veon Bell revenge game. You know what happened? Nothing. Nothing's happened for him. Yeah, he finally showed up this week a little bit, but Le'Veon Bell was a turkey. And then Carson Wentz. You know, the Eagles might be the biggest turkey of, of 2020 season. This is the big jumbo bird. You know, and they were talking about birds. Let's talk about the Eagles. Uh, I think a lot of people in the Philadelphia area would like to eat an eagle, potentially, instead of a turkey. They are so frustrated with this team. They like to put them in the oven and cook them up and uh, and maybe a little side of mashed potatoes or maybe some mac and cheese. But I'll tell you what, Craig, the Eagles team here, even when healthy the last couple weeks or healthier, has still been an incredible disappointment. And his ripple effect of how bad he's been on the rest of the pieces that's that's the thing it's like the whole entire offense kind of died along with Carson Wentz in that offensive line yeah it makes you think about last year too it makes you wonder if if they did have some talent at wide receiver and he just couldn't succeed with them because we've been knocking the Eagles for not having the talent and players being hurt but even when they're when they're healthy it doesn't appear that he has the same accuracy the same decision making and getting sacked in the end zone for a safety last week I mean, I'm sorry, but that one, like you throw that ball out of the end zone and get your grounding and take your safety, you never get sacked. Who, what, what quarterback gets sacked in the end zone for a safety in 2020? I, I don't is, is he the only one? Has, has there been another one this year? Maybe maybe one or two. But yeah, that, that one I'm in on. Bell, I think, bounces back next year. I, I think if Bell gets in the right spot, I, I don't think his career is over. I don't know that he'll ever be what, that he was with Pittsburgh, but he had a horrible run with the Jets, and he's just simply not playing enough now to make it worth it. He's more of an insurance policy, it feels like. Okay, Fantasy or Reality is coming up next, and then we got to go here for this Tuesday, but don't despair. We'll be right back here on the show tomorrow at noon, so stay tuned. Fantasy Reality next, Sports Print 60 to wrap up our show for the Tuesday edition here on the 24th of November. Correct. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, welcome back. Before we get to fantasy reality, a couple of just quick stories to chew on here before we end our show today. ESPN reports five players on the Ravens, four staffers testing positive for COVID-19 game being on right now, according to ESPN, but further uh, testing positive, positive tests could postpone the game. So we'll have to keep an eye on that as we go. That's the bad news. The good news is Pro Football Hall of Fame announced their semifinalists, the 25 semifinalists for the Pro Football Hall of Fame class of 2021. There are four first-time players. I believe three are shoe-ins to get in. Uh, the four eligible now for the first time ever are Peyton Manning, Calvin Johnson, Charles Woodson, and Jared Allen. And Joe, I would think the first three names that I just gave you are absolute bona fide 100% locks on the first try to get in, Johnson, Manning, and Woodson. Uh, Jared mm-hmm. Allen, I, I'm not sure. I, I guess I'd have to dive into that and, and check a little bit more. And then, of course, you have names like Reggie Wayne in his second year. Uh, you also have Zach Thomas. in uh, in, in, He's been on the ballot a few different times. Tony Baselli is still not in the Hall of Fame. I know that he'll get an opportunity, That's I think, crazy. eventually. Um, Darren Woodson is another one, Heinz Ward. So uh, any disagreement there? Uh, Calvin Johnson, Peyton Manning, Charles Woodson, should they have to wait more than one time? <laughs> they don't have to wait right now. I don't even know. They shouldn't even just just make them – they're in. Just, just don't even – we don't have to whittle right, anything like, down and just say those guys are in. Yeah. 
I mean, yeah. those are those are three of the best to ever do it at their position ever. I mean, we're talking like way up the charts there. So and of course, I know you being such a huge fan of the Calvin Johnson usage and how many targets he's gotten in his career too. really yeah. some stunning exactly. numbers there. But even, you know, you mentioned some of his other names, too. To me, Baselli is a guy that I don't know why every year he gets overlooked. I think it's because, you know, we often have this conversation about fan base and things like that. And I think where he played maybe hurts that a little bit. I think if that's a guy that played for the Pittsburgh Steelers, he would be a Hall of Famer already. I don't think there's anything doubt about that. Tony Baselli was a great offensive lineman. I understand there were some injuries. And, you know, you mentioned Heinz Ward, another name there, too, where I think about the longevity and the contributions of Heinz Ward, and I'd have to see where he stacks up statistically speaking, but I would say one of the better blocking wide receivers, uh, certainly one of the better money wide receivers, the guys that showed up in big moments and big spots and big third downs time and time and time again for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think those guys have a lot of value too. see football is a little different than baseball. We have these, we have these thresholds, these, you know, 300 wins or 3000 strikeouts or 500 home runs. We have these benchmarks that are kind of set Football is very different. Football, I think, is a lot of eye test and stats are more like that's the quarterbacks. You know, how do we measure an offensive lineman? It's very difficult to do, especially one that played in a different era than the metrics we have right now. So I think it becomes very complicated how we do all that. But those first three guys, I mean, they're absolute locks and it's going to be a fun speech. I'm sure Peyton Manning will have a lot of fun there for sure. He's always entertaining. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. I, I just think you have to put those those three. You start there basically, and then you work your way down. Mm -hmm. I still believe Fred Taylor should be in the Hall of Fame as well, but yep. I, I don't know that he'll get in. Uh, okay, let's uh, let's end up here with some fantasy reality. Let's get started with the fight on Saturday night, and 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 hopefully it's it's entertaining in some way. The return of Mike Tyson to the ring after many 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 years. Mike Tyson <laughs> is going to fight Roy Jones Jr. Saturday night. Both fighters have been retired for a number of years. Jones has kind of fought a little bit, I would say, over the last decade or so. He's kind of popped in and out. Tyson, of course, gained a lot of weight at one point and now looks like the Mike Tyson of old. But again, he is old. So I, this is a tough one to call. But I, I suppose fantasy and reality, you're going to watch this Saturday. That was really good. Yeah, I thought my dad joke earlier was good. That's pretty good. Mike Tyson of old is the Mike Tyson of old. Um, it I, it's Tyson. it's. It's fantasy for me. I, I'm not going to watch this. I'll see the highlight clip or whatever that moment is, but I'm not somehow building my life around whenever this fight decides to go off or whatever it is. And and I give them both credit for even discussing getting into this. I know it's a big cash grab. That's what it is. And good for them to go grab the cash. Go for it, boys. I'm all for it. Uh, but I remember distinctly, and uh, you know, I come from a boxing family. My, my grandfather was an amateur boxer, and we used to watch – you know, the wide world of sports boxing. We'd watch Showtime boxing on Saturday nights when I'd go over his house. We'd, we'd watch all those kind of things together all the time. And, you know, I don't ever remember uh, – there's very few athletes that had this kind of feeling to them that Mike Tyson had, which was a feeling of must-watch and terror at the same time, that you were just terrified of what he might do to that other person. I, I don't think people quite grasp nowadays because there's really no equivalent. Even with UFC, it's just a different kind of thing. Mike Tyson – was almost like a murderer or something like Mike Tyson was this character who came in with the towel over his head, all in black. And there was an intimidation factor that I've, I've seen, like maybe in the very, very elite of athletes, right? The guys that, you know, mean Joe green or guys like that. You're like, this guy's a bad dude, right? And bad things are going to happen. And the must see instant 30 second knockouts that you were accustomed with Mike Tyson. You could tell the other guys, these were big six foot five guys, bigger than him, bigger reach than him. 
They looked like they had fear in their eyes. They, they were terrified of Mike Tyson. It was musty television. It was something you'll never get back. You'll never see in the sport again. And I missed that. And unfortunately, this is not the opportunity to get that back. And I think people are wistful for the member berries of that. And it's just not going to be the case here with this fight. So I'm not going to watch it. I just hope they all come out in one piece. That's all I hope, because I know these guys are a little older. And I think that's always a little bit of a concern. Yeah, if it's on early enough and it's easily accessible, then I think that I'm in. So I would say reality. It just depends on the circumstances. A midnight fight on something I can't find is probably not going to happen. But an 11 p.m. <laughs> fight on something I can click. Yeah, I would say that that's the reality for me. I would be curious to just to see what happens. I don't know how many rounds this will go and how long they can go. I know that getting in the ring is a lot different than sparring and 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 working out for this thing. But uh, look, Roy Jones Jr. in his day, I saw him fight in person also and and thought that he was one of the best fighters of all time. But again, that was 15, 20 years ago. So who knows what to expect in this one? All right. Uh, this is a good one here. Fantasy or reality, Joe? You will play in a turkey bowl on Thursday, I assume we're talking about here. Fantasy or reality for this one? I, I'm not even sure what this means. What, what is a turkey bowl? Educate what me. What is a turkey bowl? Really? Wow. Yeah. What is a turkey bowl? Well, a turkey bowl, a turkey bowl is when you and your buddies get together, you find a field somewhere and you maybe haven't ah. seen them all in a while, but you all get together and okay. you play like a flag football game of some kind. Yeah. All right. Well, I never heard it called the turkey bowl. I guess this is yeah, fantasy. It's the easiest question we've ever had. Yeah, I mean, you know, no, it's it, this is fantasy. Like, yeah, we used to do that back in the day when I was like a teenager, but you know, everyone's moved away and COVID and all that stuff. We never called it a turkey bowl. We just, you know, we barely even had grass in Brooklyn. You know, when I grew up on the main streets of Brooklyn, you still play out there in the middle of the street, you'd play football and hopefully you didn't run into a rear view mirror and crack a rib. That's when we were tough. That's when men were men, when you played out on the street and we didn't call it a turkey bowl. We just went out and played football. I never heard anyone call it the turkey bowl, so to speak. So my bad. Uh, no, I yeah, won't be playing the turkey bowl. I'll be in the kitchen. I'll, I'll be in the kitchen. I'll be, I'll, I'll be getting dinner ready. And ironically, it won't be turkey. We don't, we don't do the turkey at Thanksgiving. Wow. I, I know that okay. sounds crazy. Everybody does the turkey. I'm not a huge fan of the turkey. My dad's not a huge fan of the turkey. It's a lot of work. Why am I putting myself through that work? We'll have the ham. I'll make some chicken dish of some kind as well. And that's what we'll have. Sometimes the Italians, they do the pasta courses like that. We're all too old now. We don't do that. It's too much food. Everybody's much smarter about how we eat than was back in the day. But no, no turkey here. Are you going to be playing in a turkey bowl or just eating a bowl of turkey, Craig? That's the question. Well, first of all, it's a fair question. And, and listen, I consider myself to be in pretty good shape. But uh, a few years ago, I, I did get called out of retirement. And I want to say not uh -oh. just a few, maybe like six, seven years ago, I got called out. I was in really good shape at the time, too, and thought, oh, you know, I can do this. I can go hang. And and I did. And I played in the Turkey Bowl. And I played against some of my friends, and it was fun. But the next day, did I pay the price for that? I was like super <laughs> sober. I had I had used muscles that I hadn't used, and I thought to my I thought, yeah, like you run every day, like how bad can you be? But then you realize that there's parts of your body that you, know, you didn't use all that often for the last decade or so, and even working out is not going to solve that. So I retired immediately after the Turkey Bowl. I think I was like I was not injured, but I definitely was too sore the next day to even consider playing in another Turkey Bowl. So I haven't in a long time. So the answer is no that I will not play in a turkey bowl. And as far as what we're going to have on Thanksgiving, I'm not really sure at this point. We've talked about it a little bit. I'm not adamant about anything this year. Whatever we have, we have. I'm thankful for for be, being healthy and, and having everything that we do. So wh whatever we do, we do this year. I'm not going to make a big stink about it. I, Thanksgiving typically is my favorite holiday. 
But I have to have lower expectations for this year. I, I, I don't have high expectations. I'm just happy to say that the family is healthy and happy. There you go. So. Priorities are All good. right, fantasy or reality, let's go over to parts of the Thanksgiving Day dinner. Stuffing is the best part of the Thanksgiving meal, Joe. Fantasy or reality? Fantasy. Fantasy. Look, stuffing is is nice. It's fine. But more often than not, the stuffing is off. You know, it's very rare you get a good stuffing. Everybody does too many things. There's too much stuff in the stuffing. Hence the word stuffing. You know, there's all these other things. You're like, what is this? And you're picking out things. You're like, I don't understand. There's a weird texture in certain things. Too many people get too fancy with the stuffing. It's no good. Uh, give me the mac and cheese side. Give me what I'm making also, which is the uh, the uh, sweet potato mash. Mm, that is delicious. A little brown sugar, a little cinnamon in there. That's the way you want to go. Uh, no, you can keep your cranberry sauce. I don't even want it on the table. That's not even a side. I don't know what that joke is. I don't know why every year they put out stupid cranberry sauce. Everybody puts it out there. Everyone just looks at it. Nobody eats it. And there's that one person maybe that eats the cranberry sauce, and they're just doing it for effect. They don't like it. They can pretend that they like it. They do not like it. They're eating it for effect. Say, oh, no, it's good. Mm, no, I really like the cranberry sauce. Oh, I love the cranberry sauce. It's really good. No, they don't. They don't think it's really good. They don't like it. They're just doing it to get a rise out of you. Do not give them the satisfaction, ladies and gentlemen. Don't let that happen. Don't be a victim this Thanksgiving. But all the sides are are certainly in play. Stuffing is good, but it's very rare you get a good one. I like pie. That's where we're at. That's what I want. I want, I want the uh, desserts. Let's, let's get pie. through. Let's have some sides and get some pie. There we go. What, what do you mean there's a yeah. surprise? What, those what cranberry saying? people, are, I, I agree with you. Those cranberry people are the ones who have Taysom Hill at tight end last week. I hate those people. I totally <laughs> I, oh, I, I would say that stuffing is a really good part of the Thanksgiving meal, but I, I do enjoy the turkey. Yeah, like I, I say I, when, when somebody goes through the lengths of cooking one and pretty much wherever I've been the last few years, somebody has cooked one. I think that is my favorite part of it, for sure. And I, I enjoy a good dessert, just like the rest of, of everyone out there. But I do enjoy that that part of the meal. And it does feel like Thanksgiving when that happens. And this year, it may not feel like that. But you know what? The years go by very quickly. And I know 2020 has not gone by very quickly. But believe it or not, a year from now, we'll be sitting here getting ready for, for the real Thanksgiving meal in 2021. That's sort of the way I see it. This is a year we're all never going to forget, though. You know, like a lot of years you run together, if you're right. But you say, what happened in 2020? I could tell you everything that happened in 2020. <laughs> I, can tell you. I can tell you so many stories of things that happened in 2020, even though not a whole lot sometimes felt like it was happening. There was a lot going on. 2020 was definitely a jam-packed year, regardless of the fact that times it was completely stagnant. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Everybody should be thankful for what they've had. And I, and I think, and uh, I kind of said this the other day, and I'll reiterate it here. You know, I think what's made some of the difficulty of COVID this year was the fact that we got sports taken away. And sports is how we dealt with adversity in this country. It was kind of our escapism, you know, and you know, things are going bad or you you lose a loved one or somebody's sick or a friend or, or any of these or you're not able to go out or or even just, you know, uh, job insecurity, all the things that have happened. Well, you could turn on the game and it was there for you and you could kind of disappear in that. And not having that really made things difficult, I think, this year. And I think that will be uh, I think we should all be grateful that we have that back again, even though it's in a different form than it is right now. For sure. Yeah, I mean, Tiger King was the hot thing this year. There was, there was, <laughs> right, that yeah. was it. God, that that was seems it like years ago. <laughs> a month. It was Tiger King. And then it was The Last Dance. And that was pretty much it until like some of the weird sports started coming back. And, and, and it's even weird right now. Make no mistake about it. It's, it's just been a, a strange dynamic. But 
All of that in the rearview mirror for 2020, our last Thanksgiving that we're going to have to do this, hopefully. Uh, coming up next, it's time for the Sports Grid 60, so make sure you stay tuned on tomorrow's show. Jim Sanders, DFS breakdown, Howard Bender with some Westgate Super Contest breakdown. And all. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. As we close out our show, just a reminder, Joe and I will be right back here tomorrow for our Wednesday edition of the program. Plenty of interviews getting you ready for Thursday football in the NFL. And with that, let's turn it over to Joe as he ends our show with the Sports Grid 60. Joe? Well, the last two days, we spent a lot of time talking about two rookie quarterbacks, unfortunately for the wrong reasons. Tua got pulled from his game, but don't worry, he'll be back to start against the Jets, and I'm sure everything will be just fine. Then Joe Burrow blew out his knee, and it was not a good scene. But I want to give a little love to another rookie quarterback, one that I don't think anybody really saw coming. Whether or not you thought he was going to start this year, nobody thought Justin Herbert was going to be this good. Craig mentioned earlier his odds now for rookie of the year have gone to minus 900. That is insane right now what kind of a jump that has made after the one week here where all of a sudden Tua and Burrow were kind of closing in. Well, not anymore. And if you look at the stats, Justin Herbert is on pace to break the all-time record for rookie quarterbacks in a season in passing yards he's about to shatter 4500 if he stays on that pace that's an incredible number and yeah you could say that's where the league is and it's a passing league and all that stuff and that's true but still 4500 that's no joke i think the chargers certainly have their quarterback in the future now if they could just get a little bit of defense too maybe things could turn around for them as a team and maybe a little bit more w's but if you get the quarterback right in the nfl you're off to a really good start at least that is where you can be competitive once again. So you can fill in the other pieces, but if you have the franchise QB, at least you're in the hunt. And I think starting next year, the Chargers might be in that hunt. Pro Football Hall of Fame put out their list of potential inductees in, and six players will get in. And I think that we've illustrated, we know three for sure that are going to get in. And uh, and Woodson, and I think that Peyton Manning are no doubt first ballot Hall of Famers for sure. Uh, the one that I'd like to advocate for, and, and yes, I did cover him. Yes, I do know him. Yes, I am biased. But Zach Thomas, to me, is a first ballot Hall of Famer, not second, third, fourth, or fifth. It is staggering when you compare his numbers statistically and all of the Pro Bowls and all of the tackles that he's made and what did he not do that Brian Urlacher and Ray Lewis did to get into the Hall of Fame? Never got to a Super Bowl. But was that his fault that the offense were ne was never good? I'm genuinely hoping they see this the right way. He was one of the great linebackers of our era watching football in the 90s and 2000s. Get him in the Hall of Fame. I think he deserves it. We'll see you tomorrow here on Sports Grid. Thank you to Ryan, Danny, LTN, of course, Brett, Joe, and I'm Frank Seale.